0: Hope you enjoy this message from South City C3, a location of C3 Church, Christchurch. We are starting a new series tonight called Get Ready. Get ready. In this series, we're going to continue our journey through the Gospel of Luke. The vision for our City 6pm service is to be a community of disciples changing the world. We want to be a community. We're family. We're Fano. We are in this together. We want to see the world around us changed. And this all happens as we become disciples of Jesus. Disciples of Jesus. This means that we are so familiar with Jesus, with who he is, that when we hear him speak, we recognize his voice. One way this happens is by reading the story of his life and his teaching. And so one thing we value here, and this is our fifth time doing it, is actually going through the Gospels. We're going through the Gospel of Luke. This is our fifth series on the Gospel of Luke. We're up to chapter 12. So we are making some progress as time goes on. And uh, over the last two years, we've seen Jesus and his emergence on the scene. We've seen his miracle-working power. And now what we're going to see in this series is uh, Jesus traveling to Jerusalem, where he will be killed. And as he, as he goes to Jerusalem, he teaches the people what it looks like to follow him. Jesus was preparing his people for the disruption that his mission was going to cause, both to, to them and to the world. there are. Uh, this is uh, I've been reading Luke 12 to 14 a little bit recently, and there are some gold passages in here, just amazing for us to focus on and for us to spend some time in. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to see them, and we're going to see one of the key things that they say is, get ready. I once had a pastor who was a really keen hunter, and one time he invited a friend of mine out to go hunting with him, and so he said, pack a bag, we're going to go out and we're going to go hunting. And so my friend came along and he picked up his two bags, he went, "Well, okay, I could bring a big heavy bag, but I'm going to be walking all day. I'm going to be out in the bush. It's going to be uh, trees and things. And if I bring something too heavy, that's not really that practical. So I know what I'll do. I'm going to bring uh, just my light bag. And so in his bag was an overnight tramp. He, he put in his sleeping bag. He managed to jam that in there. And then he, he got himself a change of shirt and a change of socks and a change of undies, a change of trousers. And he went, yeah, that'll be fine. Let's go with my bag. That's going to be an excellent time. And they went off into the bush, and they had a really, really good time. Until coming towards the end of the first day there, it got cold. And I mean really cold. And then it started to rain. So my friend, with his, his light bag and his stuff all in there, he's, he's walking around, and the rain's pouring down. What do you think happened to all of the gear in his bag? It all got wet. So they finally got to a point where they set up the tent for the night, and they went in, he was already really cold, and he went and he got into his his bag, didn't even have a pillow with him, got out a sleeping bag, it was completely soaked all the way through. And my friend had a really bad night. Really bad. He got hypothermic. It, It actually possibly could have killed him. And the reason why is because he went with the wrong expectations. He packed the wrong things. He got ready with the wrong perspective, packed light, and it nearly killed him. He took a hard trip with an it will be easy attitude. However, if he got the right things ready, he would have endured. And even more than that, he would have enjoyed it. Now he's going to have one of two attitudes towards hunting, either number one, I'm never going hunting again. Or number two, if I go hunting, I'm going to get ready with the right attitude and the right gear. Here's the point. Christians often don't get themselves ready with the right ways of thinking about how to follow Jesus. If we have the wrong perspective about the world, then it will be difficult. If we try to live life with ungodly attitudes, then we're going to struggle. We'll hate it, and we might even give up on our faith because we think it's just too hard. However, if we have a Christ like perspective, then we can endure and even enjoy all that God has for us, all that will come about. If we get ready with the right mindsets, then we will be able to face anything. And throughout Luke chapter 12 to 14, we're going to see Jesus getting his people ready with the right attitudes, the right perspectives, the right worldview, the right mindset, so that they can carry on this mission that Jesus was walking towards. So he prepares his followers for for this. In fact, I would say some of these words we're going to hear, they're life-changing. They get us ready. And they change our view of the world. And Luke chapter 12 begins this way. It tells us that there were now many people following Jesus. Meanwhile, the crowds grew until thousands were milling about and stepping on each other. Jesus turned first to his disciples and warned them, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees, their hypocrisy. And Jesus talks about these perspectives that can grow inside of people that pushes through every thought, every part of our life. And with the perspective of the Pharisee was that uh, there was this proud attitude, this hypocritical, actor-like attitude that in public would say one thing, in private would say another thing. And the first 12 verses of Luke, uh, chapter 12, outlines this. I'm not going to go through all of those verses today, but I have created a bonus section to our notes A new version, if you go to events, as Josh says, you can see there's a bonus section there that outlines this amazing verses. They talk about uh, Jesus and God's care for us, how he cares more deeply for us than the cheapest living thing you could buy, how he numbers the hairs uh, on our heads. If we acknowledge him, then he will stick up for us before the angels in heaven. And this is balanced with warnings to fear and respect him, talking about the dangers of hell, and also of the unforgivable sin of blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. You can look at all that in your notes uh, if you would like to. But then uh, Jesus has this interaction with the crowd and begins to talk about, if we are to pack our bags, if we've got our big backpack, our mindsets, our attitudes, what, what are the things that we need to get rid of and what are the things we need to get ready? Jesus is going to tell us two things that we need to get rid of if we're to follow him properly. And two things that we need to get ready. Chapter 12, verse 13. Then someone called from the crowd, Teacher, please tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. Jesus replied, Friend, who made me a judge over you to decide such things as that? Then he said, Beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. And when we hear the word greed here, we think of the rich person who is getting more through exploitation. But the word doesn't really mean just that. The warning covers uh, more than money and goes to the root attitude. The strong desire to acquire more possessions, more experiences, and a better position. To clarify what he means, Jesus then tells them a story. Jesus told them a story, verse 16. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. He said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. Then he said, I know, I'll tear down my barns and I'll build bigger ones. Then I'll have room enough to store all my wheat and my other goods. Now what's the repeated word here? What are the man's thoughts turned towards? The repeated word is I. I, 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 I. will do this. I'll do that. Here is a man who's trying to make something of himself. He's caught on to a good thing with his crops, and he's expanding, and he's doing more for himself. We, too, see that our work, whilst good, can become a key focus of our lives, and it can become all about us. Verse 19, and I'll sit back, he said to himself, the man, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. What he is doing here, and the first perspective that we need to take out of the bag is he is trusting in his wealth and his ability to make something of himself. He believes if I am wealthy and successful, then I'm going to be satisfied. I'm going to be happy. Life is going to be good. Have you ever considered what kind of wage would be comfortable for you? Have you ever thought if I could just earn X amount a year, then I'd be comfortable. I'd be satisfied. That's as much as I need. My first full-time job paid me $18,000 a year. And I had this thought that if I could just earn $25,000 a year, that would be massive. Then I'd be comfortable. And then I got a job for a, a large church in a big city, taking on a, a key ministry. And my pay, and I, you know, I was qualified, my pay went up to $28,000 a year. And I thought to myself, you know, I didn't just get twenty-five; dollars I got $28,000 a year. But the funny thing that happened was that as my earning ability increased, so did my opinion of how much money I needed. <laughs> to us, the goal doesn't seem like more money, but rather enough money, enough to feel secure. Yet seldom do we actually feel secure, no matter how much money we make. Now, apparently, they've done some research into this and they've found that there is an optimal point of wealth which is somewhere, for a New Zealander, between 80,000 and 130,000 a year. But then they said a funny thing happens, according to these experts. After the optimal point of needs is met, people engage in social comparisons. They go, oh, well, I guess I've got enough, but I don't have as much as they do, which lower their well-being. They actually, their well-being in life goes down as they begin to earn more than that optimal amount. Isn't that funny? Wealth never satisfies. Success is fleeting, which is why Jesus says in this story, chapter 12, verse 20, but God said to him, you fool, you fool, you will die this very night. Then who will get everything you worked for? Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. Now, this is no small thing for Jesus to call someone a fool. In fact, what he's doing is he is referring back to the book of Ecclesiastes, which says that the chase for wealth is meaningless. It's like chasing the wind. Have you ever heard of Stephen Thomas? Stephen Thomas is his name. Have you ever heard of that name before? Stephen Thomas, really seriously, you should Google him. There's a link in the notes there. He is worth 520 million New Zealand dollars, but he can't access any of it. A decade ago, he made an explainer video about how cryptocurrency works and was given 7,002 bitcoins. Now, at the time, the price of bitcoin was about 8 cents. So 7,000 Bitcoins, it didn't add up to that much, just under $600. Now, Bitcoin, I checked it this week, is worth New Zealand dollars, over $70,000 per Bitcoin. Right, he got all of these Bitcoins, 7,000 a Bitcoin, worth now over $70,000. He put them in a digital wallet, good place to store things that you need to have kept secret, uh, on a small hard drive, and he wrote down the password and then he lost the password. Oh, he has 10 attempts to get the password right or the data will encrypt himself. He has used eight of them. How much do you feel for Stephen Thomas? Money is fleeting. It might be there in an imaginary world, but it's not, he doesn't have it. You'd think he'd be devastated, right? Inconsolable. Interestingly, he's not. Stephen reflects what Jesus is getting at, and he says this. He said, it was actually a really big milestone in my life where I realized how I was going to define my self-worth going forward. It wasn't going to be about how much money I have in my bank account. What a great perspective. I'd sit there and just every morning wake up and go, I could have $500 million. I'm such an idiot. But every day he wakes up and he goes, no, that's not how I'm going to define myself. It's never going to be by the amount of uh, zeros on my, in my bank account. It's not going to be by that. And Jesus challenges this mindset that says you're a success if you have uh, lots of money or a big title. What Jesus does uh, is he gets them to ask this question What is your focus? What is your focus? Jesus is not against us doing well in our work. But if it becomes the focus of your life, then something has gone out of kilter. Another way to ask it might be, do you control money and success in your life? Or does it control you? Your need for it, your desire for it, does it control you? Jesus then turns from this successful person to his disciples, who were quite a contrast. They mostly didn't have much They would have their clothes and then maybe one spare coat. They needed enough money just to get through the day. So as well as getting rid of greed, he tells his followers to get rid of greed's unfortunate sidekick. Luke 12, verse 22. Then turning to his disciples, Jesus said, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food to eat or enough clothes to wear, For life is more than food, and your body's more than clothing. Look at the ravens. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for God feeds them. And you, you are far more valuable to him than any birds. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And if worry can't accomplish a little thing like that, what's the use of worrying over bigger things? Such freedom in these words. For worry is the thief of contentment. Anxiety is a liar that tells you if if you give it time, it will give you something in return, and it never does. If you worry, uh, worry can't give you another second of your life. It can't make you an inch taller, and it can't help you in any other way. You need to get rid of this from your bag too. Greed needs to go. Worry needs to go. And instead, you need to replace it with something substantial. You know, when my friend went out, what a really good rain jacket would have made a massive difference to his, his week. And Jesus would say, if you want to add something to your bag, what do you need to get ready? What do you need to add in? He would say, it's a rich relationship with God. A rich relationship and trust in God. To get this ready, to have the right attitude in following Jesus, we need to turn our focus to our relationship with him. The life of a follower of Jesus is not a life of worry. Instead, it is a life of trust. And Jesus makes this style of argument several times in this passage. He says, if God cares so much about the smallest things, then you know that you can trust him to look after you because you matter so much to God. Focus on him first. Rather than yourself, trust him that even if you were to lose your job tomorrow, he would still look after you. Verse 27 continues with these great analogies. Look at the lilies and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for flowers that are here today, throw it in the fire tomorrow... He will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? And don't be concerned about what to eat and what to drink. Don't worry about such things. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers all over the world. But your father already knows your needs. If you're here today and you're wondering, where's my next meal coming from? Do you know your father already knows your needs? What would happen if I did lose that job. That meeting this week doesn't go well. Do you know your father already knows your needs? If you're here today and you're thinking, "But how do I know I've made something of myself? Your father already knows your needs. Do you know your father in heaven? Or are you putting your trust somewhere else? Let's get honest for a second. There are some people who've walked away from faith because they they heard stories, they heard preachers stand up and tell you, God wants to make you healthy, wealthy, and happy. But when they followed Jesus, they found that didn't happen because it was never something that Jesus promised you. There are others who have added faith in Jesus onto their current values. Faith in Jesus has not penetrated all of their life and they think they can follow Jesus but still have the same value on possessions and wealth that the world has. Then when there's a conflict in values, they actually adopt the mindset of the world and leave behind the way of thinking Jesus has. But you can't have both. How do you know if you've got the wrong attitude? Well, Jesus tells us here, the extent to which we worry about success, about getting ahead, about money, about our possessions, is the extent to which we are ruled by them. The extent to which we worry about our money, our success, and our possessions is the extent to which we are ruled by them. Think about it. If you don't worry about your pay, your possessions, or your position, then it has no control over you. No control. However, if you're researching how much you're being paid compared to others, if you're thinking, oh, I've just got to buy that next thing, I'll go into debt, it's all right, I need more stuff. If you're lying awake at night, worrying about whether you've made something of yourself because you've only made it so far in work, then this may be a key driver in your life. If you're trying to squeeze money out of other people and use your woo and your influence to get more for you, then you know your focus has become twisted. Is that you today? I know at times it's been me. I've had the wrong things in my bag. I've had that want for more. I've had that desire for more. I've had that worry in my life. But I know if your trust is truly in Jesus, my trust is truly in Jesus, then our focus is that he will provide. He will make a way in every moment, in every season. And I trust Jesus when he says this. Luke 12, verse 31. Seek the kingdom of God above all else, and he will give you everything you need. It may not be everything you want. It may not be everything that you name and claim, but it will be everything you need. So don't be afraid, little flock, for it gives your father great happiness to give you the kingdom. Jesus has told them to take away greed and to take away worry. He's told them that they are not the right things to get ready for what is to come. Instead, they are to trust him because of his goodness to them. Then he introduces the second thing we are to pack. This thing is a big part of our antidote, a little bit like good shoes on a tramp. And this thing, alongside trusting him, is called generosity. Luke twelve thirty three, sell your possessions and give to those in need. This will store up treasure for you in heaven. And the purses of heaven never get old or develop holes. Your treasure will be safe. No thief can steal it and no moth can destroy it. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Such an amazing passage. Jesus says he's not just talking about money. He's actually talking about our hearts. If your heart is turned towards yourself, then you're not focused on his kingdom. If your heart is turned towards others, then you are living the life of heaven, here and now. If you trust God, then your priority is not accumulation, but a radical generosity. Generosity. The principle is there for us to be generous, whether we have much or whether we have little, to set money aside, to set resources aside, specifically for blessing others and bringing the kingdom of God to them. Then we are bringing the values and priorities of God himself to bear on the greed and anxiety of our world. That's what treasures in heaven is all about. And it is this thing that changes in us as we stop looking to what we can get and start looking to what we can give. Really simple example of this. I remember and bowling one time, uh, and I was getting a bit anxious, I'm com- competitive, I wanna do well, I wanna to just smash it and do great. But the more I focused on how well I was doing, the worse I got. And so after a couple of uh, ends, what I did is I decided to change my focus. And instead of worrying about me, I decided to encourage others and encourage them and how well they were doing. And uh, they started doing better. And then I was able to focus in my moment and I smashed it. I nearly got 100 that night. It was phenomenal. You've never seen bowling quite like it. <laughs> but that's what generosity does. It helps you appreciate what you have more and it serves others Better. So we need to get rid of, we need to get rid of in our life greed and worry. And we need in our life to trust God and to be generous people. Now let's be really clear about what Jesus is not saying through this passage. Jesus isn't saying be lazy, just do nothing and God will do everything for you. Know that the narrative of scripture and what Jesus presents as well is that we need to work. It's good to work. And it's through that that God helps provide for us. Jesus also isn't saying, be poor. Jesus isn't anti-wealth. You can do really well for yourself. Jesus is not against that, but he is against uh, greed and covetousness being a driving force in our lives. Jesus isn't saying, don't succeed. He's not against that. But he is for you, making something for his kingdom. Measuring success for his kingdom, not just for yourself. And Jesus also isn't saying, give every single thing to the poor. Do you know the original audience of this is his disciples? And they would follow these words really closely. The early chapters of Acts makes it clear that they still owned houses and property. But at times, someone would sell a property and give it to the church to help with care for the poor. Or they would share what they did have with each other. Tonight, can I ask you, what have you packed? What attitudes do you have when it comes to the area of wealth, possessions, and success? Do you have a mindset that's always looking for more? Are you worried about those things? Or could it be tonight that you say, I trust in Jesus? And I choose to be generous towards others. And maybe there is just that one place where you recognize, I need to get rid of that. I need to surrender it. I need to take it out. I'm worrying too much about that. And I need to let it go. Tonight, can you bring that to Jesus? This bow our heads before him. And in this moment, can we surrender these things to God? Ask him to check through our backpack, like my pastor should have done with my friend, and ask for his strength to get rid of the things we don't need and to get us ready for the journey he has for us. Tonight, today, Anzac Day, we remember those who fought and died for our freedom, we remember the sacrifice they made. And we're called to be just like that, warriors, people who are able to lay some things down for the greater good. And it can be hard and it can take time, it takes a lot of training to be a soldier, takes a lot of time to lay these things down. They become entrenched in us. We just live in this world. We see adverts all the time. We have people around us who are vying to be those types of people. But if we want to follow after Jesus, we need to make a steady determination that that's not us, that we can be different. As we trust in him, we see his love and his goodness poured out.